Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by my delightful co-host, Bree Tucker. Wow. Hello. Hello, everybody. How are you? I love delightful. Delightful. You are delightful. I'm a delightful pumpkin spice loving kind of gal. Oh, the pumpkin spice. You know what? Controversial opinion. I do not like pumpkin spice. I know, but I still love you. I know. It's okay. (laughs) Well, thank you for still loving me when I don't love pumpkin spice. (laughs) I will say pumpkin spice is not for everyone, but I am one of those sad creatures that's like pumpkin spice everything. Cookies, cake, coffee. You give it to me, pumpkin spice. Pumpkin spice ice cream. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. (laughs) That's how my daughter is too. She's on a pumpkin spice kick. And so right now in the house, she found that there's pumpkin spice goldfish. So like the grams, goldfish grams, pumpkin spice, goldfish grams. And there's also pumpkin spice Cheerios that we have in our pantry as well. I've had those. Yeah. I have. They were okay. They weren't as good as I hoped. Yeah. But well, it's it's funny because yeah. my son feels the same way about pumpkin spice as I do. Like he took a Cheerio out. He's like, mom, taste this. It just tastes wrong. It tastes wrong. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, buddy, I love you. Yeah, it's like it's like a little cult we belong to. I I don't know what to say. It it comes out of us like once a year, right? Like the rest of the year, I'm fine. I'm not pumpkin spice crazy, but you know, as soon as Starbucks rolls around with the latte, it's like okay, it's pumpkin spice from pumpkin spice season. Exactly. It's like it's what my it's what my daughter says. It's like closer to Christmas, and since it's closer to Christmas, it's good. Yeah. yeah. But we, oh my gosh, Brie, how excited were we to get this interview with Eve Rodsky? Like, I, I think I talk about Eve Rodsky all the time and her work and everything she's done about talking about this dynamic in the home where women are expected to do everything and don't value their time as much as like men value their time. Exactly. No, I was so excited too, because like you mentioned, like we base so much of the work we do on her books like Fair Play and Unicorn Space. You talk about it all the time. And I 100% feel like Eve gets it. She gets it. And her goal is to have everybody else get it. Yes, yes. And like, I was just thinking about her after we had her interview uh, the next morning, uh, my dog always sleeps in my daughter's room. And she, when I opened the door that morning, my dog had, you know, pooped in the room. And I'm like, okay, great. I'm just going to take the dog on a walk and uh, I'm going to tell my husband that it's there and we'll see what happens. And when I came back, nothing had happened. My daughter was still asleep in her bed, like poop in the room. I don't sleep through it. No, I don't know. (laughs) Like it's like the most disgusting thing in the world to me. And so immediately I'm like, okay, I'm going to get my like doggy vacuum, which is amazing. And I'm going to clean this up. But it got me thinking, I'm like, and I asked my daughter, I'm like, whose job is it to clean up after our dog? And she's like, I don't know. And I'm like, no, really, whose job is it? Because I am always the one who's doing it. Like, we've never talked about this as a family. And something that Eve mentions and listen for in the interview is about talking about who is responsible for what. Because if you don't have those discussions as a family, guess who ends up doing everything? It's 100% true. Okay, if you're listening to this and you have a pet, tell me that as the mom, the bulk of everything doesn't fall on your shoulders. Like, Mm -hmm. and that's the other thing too. Like maybe the kids will feed the dog if if that is their chore. But if you don't have those tasks assigned, I can guarantee you it falls on mom's shoulders. Yes. So listen to our interview with Eve Rotsky because, oh my gosh, you are going to pick up 
some nuggets that are going to change your life. Eve is a New York Times Times bestselling author of Fair Play, and uh, her new book is a national bestseller, Find Your Unicorn Space, and we hope you enjoy our conversation with Eve. So if you're looking for another podcast to add into your rotation, go check out our friends, Brittany and Heather at The Okayest Moms. Uh, their podcast is available wherever you listen to the No Guilt Mom podcast. And it's a podcast for the imperfect modern mom. A lot like what we do here at No Guilt Mom. And every Tuesday, Brittany and Heather talk about a range of motherhood topics. They believe that every mom deserves an identity outside of motherhood. Yes, check. Self-care is more than just a shower and that motherhood looks differently for everyone. If you love No Guilt Mom, you are going to love the OKS Moms podcast. And don't miss the monthly OKS Moms Moments episodes where we sh- they share real-life stories of the messy, imperfect side of motherhood. Uh, and I was recently a guest on their podcast and they asked me my okayest mom moment at the end and uh, go find that episode. I'm not going to tell you here. It's a good one too. It's a good one. So check out the okayest moms podcast everywhere you listen to No Guilt Mom. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. Eve, welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. You are such an inspiration to me and I think to all the No Guilt Mom community, and it's such an honor to have you here. Oh, I feel the same way. I was sort of binging your both of your work um, this weekend, and I feel like this community is really spot on to to what we're trying to achieve with the fair play movement. So, thank you for having me. And that's that's a good assessment because <laughs> it is good. spot on. It is yes. spot on. And I I have to admit, I found you. My mother in law gave me a copy of your book for oh Christmas, my God. <laughs> and she gave me and my sister in law a copy. And she's like, "Here you go." And she was actually just going through a divorce for my father in law, and I was sitting on the couch after Christmas reading it and tears were just running down my face because I'm like, oh my gosh, all of these inner thoughts and dialogue that you were talking about in this book, I go through all the time. So can you like, can you give us a little backstory? What made you realize that something needed to change in the way that men and women are running the house? First of all, let's shout out your mother-in-law because that's usually the opposite of a lot of mother-in-laws. <laughs> what do you have right? to complain about? You know, my <laughs> life was a lot worse. So I love that she um, she sounds like she really understands the the gravity of this work. So I write about this a lot, right? This problem started for me from a text my husband Seth sent me that said, "I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries." Oh. And <laughs> <laughs> the thoughts that went through your head yeah, at that moment, I'm sure. Yes. As I clear my throat, I'm surprised yeah. you didn't get blueberries. And Seth is like, wow, I wonder how our life would be different if I hadn't sent you that text that day. But um, it probably would have come out in other ways because there was a real time in my life after my second son, Ben, was born. And I'll just back up and say that I did not expect to be an expert on the gender division of labor. 
that was not on my third grade. What do you want to be when you grow up board, which probably <laughs> said, you know, veterinarian. I mean, this is not, I'm resolutely Gen X. I was told that my education would afford me the same opportunities as men. I was told that that would get me out of my working class household. I believed it. I sort of rose, you know, in the ranks of education. I kept getting scholarships places and I get to law school also on loans and scholarship. I I go to Harvard and I remember sitting in Elizabeth Warren's orientation. She was doing our orientation and also asking us what we want to be when we grow up. And I still thought I was going to be president and a senator and a Nick City dancer, like all at once. <laughs> all of those, all at once. <laughs> but at once, because yes. I was like, well, I'm at, like, yeah, I can have it all. And mm-hmm. like legislators are lazy, you know, they like, they end their sessions at like three or four. And then you could just issue your executive orders right after hours at night and you can <laughs> fly Air Force One in to dance <laughs> at Madison Square Garden and then just change for your state dinners on the plane. Gosh, right? We need to see that, the dancer yes. and legislator. I think that would be great. Right. And yes. president. And yes, president. And, president. Yes. Mm-hmm. and so I think that idea of like smashing glass ceilings, what felt very exciting to me. And I really thought I was going to be do it, doing that. And then, you know, I cut to 13 years later and really the only thing I could tell you I was actually smashing was, you know, peas for my toddler <laughs> probably uh, at that point. Yeah. And so I think really around the time that my trust in Seth was eroding because he was sending me things and I'm breaking down uh, over text. Like, I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries because I'm being defined as the fulfiller of his smoothie needs. Um, <laughs> at the same time, while I was being emotionally abandoned by him, uh, my job was also emotionally abandoning me because I was about to come back from maternity leave for my second son, Ben. That's when all this stuff started going down in 2011. And, um, and the, my job basically said to me, you know, if you're going to come back here, you know, your amazing benefit is you can pump in, in a broom closet. Yeah. How, how lovely of them. Yeah. How lovely of them, right. Mm -hmm. There's a private space called a broom closet that we cleared out for you. We even put a a desk in there. (sighs) Oh yeah. Um, My work gave me a computer. They were Uh like, Oh, we put a computer in here so you could work. You can work while you're pumping. pumping. I love it. Cause you're going to be in there for half an hour. What else would you be doing? What else would you be doing? Exactly. What else? (laughs) And also there was no outlet. I just remember that thinking like, Oh, so I have to get one of those weird battery packs. It was like a disaster. And then on top of it, um, my, you know, life was going to be so hard for me when I came back, they decided to give my direct reports, which is really the only thing I wanted to do there was supervise people and manage a team. They gave my direct reports to another woman on my team, a childless woman. Yeah. So, so, so that I wanted to set that scene because I think it becomes a a personal, but also this is personal is political, right? Private lives are public issues. And the problem is this becomes such an isolating problem where you start to be gaslit to believe that you're not good enough, that -hmm. something's wrong with you, that you're not the one setting the boundaries with your husband. That And so I think even though I wrote Fair Play to Women, and yes, your mother-in-law gave it to you, the woman, what I always say is that the reason why I do that is not because I don't think men need to be part of this, and we have a lot of male readers, but it's because we become so beat down and complicit in our own oppression because of what's happening around us that this book is really written to women to say you're not alone. 
I've been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs even on busy mornings. And oh my gosh, has it been busy lately. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day every day and it makes me feel energized even like i still add the coffee on there because i like it a lot ag1 tastes really good too and i enjoy my glass every single morning ag1 is a supplement i trust to provide the support my body needs daily and that's why i'm excited to welcome them as a new partner if you want to take ownership of your health it starts with ag1 Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com forward slash NGM. That's drinkag1.com forward slash NGM. Check it out. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the TILT Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. We do. We start to believe that. Like One of the things that you wrote that hit me really hard was the money issue, thinking that, well, my husband goes and he makes more money at his job, and therefore his time is somehow more valuable than my time. And just you writing in there that being like, time is equal, (laughs) and it doesn't matter. Like It was such a weight lifted from me. And I'm like, you know what? You're damn right. Time is equal. Well, I think that's a, that's a narrative that so many of us tell ourselves because yeah. it can be quantified, right? Like at, we look at it and go, okay, if so-and-so makes X amount of money, like honestly, that was my my first marriage. And my, my ex would say that to me all the time. Listen, hon, I make three times what you do. So my time is more valuable. You're the one who needs I'm to take off because, <laughs> because yeah. the dogs are sick <laughs> or the kids are sick or we need to have somebody come and repair the house. You're the one that has to take time off, even though Honestly, in my job, I was managing a department of 50 people. He took care of himself, mm-hmm. but somehow his time was more important than mine. And we tell ourselves that. Yeah. And it's so yeah. wrong. Yeah. Well, I think that that for me, you know, what we're going to unpack today, I think really, because this is your solutions oriented podcast, this is any, it's a, a unicorn space. So I want to say, keep doing it again, whether you make a dollar or a billion dollars, this is a unicorn space. We'll talk about that to your listeners. But I do think the beauty of what I've learned in 10 years is that the air is polluted, yes, 
but it doesn't mean you can't breathe. And the way you breathe, there is a secret formula. And we saw it, and I've seen it now again. I have the longest longitudinal study of unpaid labor, I would say, in the world. I mean, I've been studying this now for 10 years. But the beauty is there's a secret formula. If you have boundaries, systems, and communication in a relationship, and it doesn't just have to be the hetero cisgender relationships, even that's what we're talking about. We're centering Mm -hmm. that today on purpose because that's where all of these stereotypes come from. All my LGBTQIA families that I talk to, they Mm -hmm. say inevitably someone has asked them, who's the woman, who's the man, Mm -hmm. right? These are stereotypes that go back and really box us in. So we need to break free from these stereotypes. And really the way you break free from assumption is this idea of structured decision-making. And the way you get there is the secret formula of boundaries, systems, and communication. We'll get to the systems and communication, but the reason why I wanted to pause there to tell you the secret formula is because what you were just alluding to, to your listeners was the boundaries piece. Mm -hmm. Because I wish I could tell you that a boundary was a walk around the block or was a drink (laughs) with a friend, right? We hear that a lot, but a, a true boundary is believing your time is equal to, to somebody else's time. Yeah, I always think like a boundary, it's really easy to like think of a boundary that you wanna set, but it's even harder to stay with it because all of this stuff comes into you where you're like, oh, you know what, for this time, like he's busy with work. I'll I'll take this over this time. Or like, oh, I, I it's just easier for me to go get the kids. I'll go get the kids this time. And then those boundaries become so... Muddled that you don't even know what boundary you set anymore. Yeah. And then when people push back on your boundary because you're in a place, like you said, where, oh, maybe I should believe this, it's hard. And so let's just talk a little bit about boundaries a little more because I'd say this is the thing that took me 10 years. The system is easy, (laughs) the communication is easy once you believe your time is equal to your partner's time and to people around you. But the reason why we don't have a boundary to believe our time is diamonds. And I always say this, right? It's because as a society, we have conditioned women to believe their time is infinite. Mm -hmm. Our time is sand. Like you can get everything done. Get everything done. If you like, if you're just organized enough, you can get everything done. (laughs) If you just wake up, you know, at 2am, I remember this one woman said to me, so everyone around me is telling me to get my me time and it's, it's inching back to 2.30 in the morning. Uh-huh. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm waking up at 2.30 in the morning to get my me time. I was like, okay, this is something's really wrong with the societal messages of self-care if that's what you think it takes to get time in for you. Yeah. And if you think but that's I think okay. Real, <laughs> right? I think it's okay. But the real problem is that when you believe your time is sand and someone else's time is diamonds, it's hard to set a boundary because- we have been told since birth that, you know, breastfeeding is free, right? Mm-hmm. So when that's like an 1800 hour a year job, yeah. we, as women, we hear mess, we see, so there's something called occupational segregation. If women enter a male profession, salaries automatically come down. So all around us, we're seeing w- the messaging that women's time is less valuable. But as you said earlier, the worst thing is that it seeps into our rationale of why we breach our boundaries. And so I'll ask your listeners, have you ever said to yourself one of these four things? Because this was the most popular for what I call toxic time messages, because they are toxic, they're wrong. But if you've ever said to yourself, either my partner makes more money than me, so I'm the one who picks up the kids when they're sick, mm-hmm. or my job is more flexible, so I'm the one who does the extra planning of the birthday party and the family trips, 
Or if you say to yourself in the time it takes me to tell him, her, they what to do, I should do it myself. That's when we hear a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or if you've ever heard, you know, I'm a better multitasker. Somehow I'm wired differently for care. I'm wired differently to see that the kid's underwear has gotten small on them. That all of those messages, even the what the the message of, well, we're both in the same job, but my partner is better at focusing on one task at a time Mm -hmm. and I can find the time. What I'm just here to say is all, what all those have in common is A, they're wrong. There's no gender difference in how we multitask. The, the, time is not money because it, that would make no sense because women always get paid less. So it means we always have to do more. So that that doesn't make any sense. Uh, if you think of in the time it takes me to tell him or they what to do now, it doesn't make sense to tell them I should do it. That's devaluing of all your future time a behavioral economist named Dan Ariely helped me unpack that. So just assume and believe me that all those things are wrong and you shouldn't say them to yourselves. Well, then what it comes down to is that the real Kaiser Soze, if you remember Usual Suspects, the Mm -hmm. thing that really got me thinking, oh my God, this is a boundaries issue, is that what it comes down to is that women's day is set for them. We don't have time choice. So like, I remember thinking, Seth, you have three hours after our kids go to bed to watch sports center, work out, finish a PowerPoint deck. Whereas I've expected every hour of this day has been predetermined for me, especially since I've had children. And that's the big problem. We need as much time choice as our partners. And that requires men, often men who, if we're Mm -hmm. married to men to do more things that they don't choose. Yeah. So let's talk more about that. Like how, how do you see our days predetermined for us? And whereas like men's aren't? Well, and this, again, this, if you read both of my books, you'll see a lot of um, science that proves this is because we are not allowed to be anything other than three things. We're allowed to be parents. Women are allowed to be parents. We're allowed to be partners in our society. Um, or we're allowed to be professionals. And by professionals, I mean anybody who works for pay. You could be working in retail, um, you know, essential workers, uh, knowledge workers, but we're allowed to be those three things. But if you ask women, when was the last time the most important thing you did that day was outside of those three things? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, You're like, right. I'm just that's a of really, mine and I'm like, I, I could, can't. I could not, women could not answer that question. Mm-hmm. And in my 10 years, men, men could. And we, and, and that also, is backed up by science, which shows that men have more leisure time than women. And also it's also backed up by the fact that even when women make more money than their partners, they end up doing more unpaid labor mm-hmm. and yeah. more childcare. So, so even the money doesn't let them predetermine what they do for their day. Yeah. We are, our day is predetermined for us as par- parents, partners, and professionals. And God forbid you assert the need to be unavailable from your roles. Just watch what happens. I say to women, close your eyes, picture the phone ringing. It's your school. Don't pick it up. Don't pick it up. And women will tell me that even from that scenario of just playing with me in the exercise, mm-hmm. that their stress responses start, that oh. their heart starts pounding. Yeah. Heart, blood pressure Definitely. going up. Like I could totally, I would have that. Just you saying that, like yes, the idea yes. of me imagining it is making me feel anxious inside. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? laughing in the face of motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) 
Well, you're aiming more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, Mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell, Laughing in the Face of Motherhood, wherever you listen to podcasts. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. So like that situation actually happened to me where we were in a presentation, a live presentation, and my son got sick. He went to the nurse and they called me first. And they called me and I had it on do not disturb. So thankfully I had no idea this was happening. Else I think my stress (laughs) response would have gone up. They called me three times, Eve, three times before Before they tried my husband. And they, when they tried my husband, he's like, yeah, sure. And he, I mean, we, we've had a lot of work and, yes, and thankfully yes, to your yes. work, he, he knows he's like, yep, I'll, I'll come pick you up. And he texted me. He's like, Hey, his school called. I'm going to go pick him up. But then when my son came home, they were like, yeah, the nurse was like saying how we couldn't get a hold of you, mom. And I'm like, mm-hmm. he had a perfectly capable dad yeah. <laughs> who answered the phone immediately and was there. And yeah. so, yeah, but all the judgment totally, went on you. All the judgment went on me for not answering mm-hmm. because well, like, I do remember a hundred percent that that one of my good friends who's a lawyer, they, she was asked in a panel, you know, is it hard being a, you know, a good mom and working full-time as a partner? And she said, well, I've never aspired to be a good mom. I've just aspired to be a great dad. Oh, <laughs> see, and there you go. Yeah, I that was that, it. <laughs> like there was the, something else that came up and be like, all like moms have to compare themselves to are all these like sitcom moms who have everything together and everything great. And um, dads, when they look at like the society depiction of dads, it's like the screw up, like that dad, Allen. and they're like, well, <laughs> I'm better than that, so I'm yep. good. Oh yeah, and I will say I just finished reading Wonder. That was the the book assigned for my son's fifth grade class. I don't know if you've ever seen it, yeah. but this mother, oh my god. I mean, she, it's never from her perspective. It's all the kids' perspectives. And I just kept saying, like, why not just write one chapter from her perspective? Like, why? She's literally portrayed as the perfect mother. She never screams at her kids. She homeschools her disabled son. She's there for everybody. It's just a very unrealistic depiction. And I said to my son, I hope you don't think 
that um, motherhood should be like this because, because you know, I'm not like that. And uh, I don't want you getting any wrong ideas. <laughs> yeah. what I mean, to be a good, a good mother in this society. So we talk a lot about that. Yeah. So now, so once people have realized that these thoughts are going through their heads and that they really have a hard time setting the boundaries, like how do you follow through on these boundaries that you're setting? How do you prevent yourself from thinking, oh my gosh, like I should really drop everything I'm doing right now because my child needs me right now or my spouse needs me right now? Well, because I think we have to look at the costs. And then again, we can talk about the beauty, which is, you know, the, the, what you get when you have time choice. I mean, not only is your partnership better and you have time as we were calling it for this idea of unicorn space, things that are not three P's of parenting, partnering, professional, you know, professionalizing. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think the, the true cause for me, um, are really looking at women. Now I said, I have like about 10 years of following women and the, we're, we're partnering with a major healthcare company right now because, they're looking at fair play as a, as a preventative health intervention Oh, because cool. one of the excellent. most disappointing relationships that women were reporting to me and also to this healthcare provider was the relationship with their OBGYN hmm. because the, the, one of the number one feelings women were having in my study about that relationship, the word abandonment kept coming up over and over again. I want to feel that attention again. So I'll have another child realizing that the OBGYN was really there for the baby and then the six-week checkup is really to check to make sure that your body can be re-entered again mm-hmm. by by a penis. Yeah, that's, um, that's it. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's it, really, from that person. And you move on to the pediatrician, which is about the kid. No one ever asked about you. Mm-hmm. And so really, and then maybe what you see there, the only thing you may see there in your office is, you know, a cord blood brochure, you know, if you're lucky. But there's really no warning about the, the, the aspects that, you know, if you're married to a man or partner with a man that they do five to 15 hours less after kids come, that people get that assumptions become way more, um, in the forefront of people's minds, as opposed to structured decision-making. So you could have a very equal relationship and then assumptions will pop up. These are all very normal things. Mm -hmm. And I think if we normalize them, it'd be a lot easier to talk about. So the cost is I had an initial, I have, Now we have thousands and thousands, thank God, of people like you, you know, who have been introduced to fair play, who have part of the practice in their life. Mm -hmm. But in the beginning, I had a big study of women and 200 of those women identified, this is 10 years ago, that they were holding 67 tabs. Mm -hmm. So now we're getting to the systems part. Fair play is a system based on a hundred cards. It's a card game you can play and discuss and use in many different ways, but at that time, 10 years ago, it was just a spreadsheet, the shit I do spreadsheet, mm-hmm. which I had created for Seth. When, once I realized that <laughs> lists lists don't work, I had to start developing a system and get put my ass in gear and become my own client. Once I realized that I, I can ask the most important question I've ever asked in 10 years, we could move on to the systems piece, which is why do we not treat our homes as our most important organization? Mm-hmm. How do we get to a place where my Aunt Marion's Mahjong group has more clearly defined expectations than the yeah. home. You don't bring snack twice to that group, you're out. Whereas the home, yeah. it, as one man said to me, well, we wait to decide who's taking the dog out every day, right? When it's about to take a piss on the rug. Right. Yeah. So that decision fatigue is leading because we're still in the question of why this is so important and what happens if you don't believe that these boundaries need to be held. Mm-hmm. Those women 
who were reporting to hold 67 tabs, which are now the cards, mm-hmm. and work for pay. Mm-hmm. Every single one of those women over the past 10 years has reported to me a stress-related illness. Mm. So hair loss is is was number two. Number one was insomnia. Number three was SSRI use. Uh, number four was thyroid and autoimmune disease. Five is cancer. Um, and there were many, many other variations. And then if they were not being treated by a doctor for a stress-related illness, they were self-medicating by yeah. telling me that they start taking edibles on the weekend at 11 a.m. to get through their day, or they're drinking two to three or more glasses of wine every night um, to, to, to basically numb themselves through dinner and after. That mommy juice, you know, mm-hmm. is sort of funny, but not. And so I think looking at us as, as women now over 10 years, I can see the health-related reasons why you need to do this. Mm-hmm. I'm here to tell your listeners, we have to get this right because otherwise you're going to be sick and I can't have you sick because women need to be in positions of power. And the more we're sick, they can't be in positions of power. So it's in my best interest to make sure that you all out there stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Like what you said right there, I just like dropped to my seat. <laughs> like the, cause I, I see it too. I see it. I see it in myself. Like even though I feel like I have a very supportive husband, it's still all of these expectations that I put on myself to keep everything on the air and everything going. And I think women, we get together and we compl- we we say like how much we have to do. And it's almost like a badge of honor when we have our, our homes running nicely and everything looks pretty and organized. And that takes a lot of work yeah. to get there. And it's work that's not shared by our partners. It's work that's totally taken on by ourselves. So that and it's a full-time job. It's a it full-time so that's the thing. job. So if you have a full, more than a full-time job and then you're doing anything else, literally yeah. anything else, mm-hmm. um, you're going to be sick. I mean, that's what it comes down to. And it's really, really. And then of course, you know, back to the theme of your beautiful work, right? Um, the guilt and shame on top of it is just another layer to yep. um, help us stay in our place. Mm-hmm. I had this one beautiful single mom who was saying to me, she had read my second book, which will come on and hopefully do another round about just unicorn space and the beauty of when you get this right, mm-hmm. when you have that time back, whether it's to have a beautiful podcast like this, where you're curious and connected and you complete something, that's the cycle of a unicorn space. But this woman said to me, okay, I believe you, Eve, that I deserve to have something outside of my three Ps. And she was a single mom. And what she told me was that she um, lives in a rent-stabilized building in New York City where Juilliard students live, mm-hmm. and there is a piano room. And so she brought all this amazing, bought all these this amazing sheet music like Hamilton and Rent, and she was going to play piano again because she hadn't played since she had her child. And again, as a single parent, but not a very supportive co-parent, it's mostly all, I mean, it's all on her. And then she said that she started to play, and she was so excited to get into this piano room. And then she, it, there was a window on, on the left side of the room, she said, and she watched sort of the sunset and her heart started pounding back to that stress response that her child doesn't like being left in daycare mm-hmm. when it's dark out. And, you know, in New York in the winter, it gets dark at like 3.30. So <laughs> That's uh, she wanted to play, she wanted to keep him there to like around five, but it was 3.30 and she could see the clouds coming down over wherever Hudson River. 
and her heart was pounding and she, she left her sheet music there mm-hmm. and she went to get him. And then she actually said she actually left it in the room, which made me even more sad. Like she forgot to even collect it. She like left it on the piano. And so I think like that left the abandoned sheet music to me, like I tear up still. And I hear these stories all the time and it makes me so sad for the fact that this, this woman, I say poor women to all of us, that she, that this guilt and shame of not being there to pick up her toddler and he was safe and fine, but she, she said it was just, it wouldn't have been enjoyable for her to practice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, do, I get that. Mm-hmm. I totally right. get that. I've had that many times. Yeah. Well, Eve, it is like, I could talk to you forever. And, and I want to just end on one last thing, which is, I think we're going through, especially with your themes, right? About, you know, how do you break free of guilt, mm-hmm. which I think is a really, it, if it overtakes you, it is, it, it can be a mental health issue. And, and guilt is a really strange emotion because like that woman, the piano single mom I was telling you about, it's one of the only emotions where you act on it right there. Like if you're sad, you know, or you're happy, there's not, when I'd ask people, are you acting on those? No, I feel it, you know, I'm living in it. But if it's a guilt, there's, there's often a behavior change with it. Mm-hmm. You may not have wanted to do like that woman changing her yeah. mind not to practice piano and go pick up her child. So I would say is guilt an interesting one because it comes with this behavior piece of it. So yeah. that I just wanted to end on that. If you feel guilty, if you feel that shame, try to break, write it down. Think about it for a minute. One of the exercises I love to do is I like to say, I feel guilty because I'm mm-hmm. not putting Anna to bed. And I change it to, I made the decision not to put Anna to bed because, and I write that down and then often allows me to continue on with what I was going to do as opposed to breaking the cycle and changing my behavior over guilt. I love that. I'm going to use that. I'm sure I have an opportunity today. (laughs) (laughs) And I I will help you. I will help your spiritual friend on that journey. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Yes. (laughs) Eve, it's been wonderful talking to you. Thank you so much for being our guest on the podcast. And we look forward to many more conversations. Yes. Thank you. I could have talked to Eve Rotsky like all day. And I know we were up against a time block at the end. (laughs) We were. But you know, the great thing about us being able to talk to her all day is that uh, we're looking at having her come back again. She's going to come back again. Yes. Which is so exciting. So we hope you enjoyed our conversation with Eve. Make sure to go and share this podcast with every other mom that you think needs to hear it because we really do need to hear it. As Eve said in the interview, we cannot afford to be sick. Like we need to get these things off of our shoulders now so that we have our health and we have the energy to make change for the future. So remember, the best mom is a happy mom. Take care of you and we'll talk to you later. Thanks for stopping by. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom and Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health 
which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.